to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. And welcome, everybody. This is Man Up, spiritual voices for men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. Podcast number 152, hard to believe. That's right. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. So grab a globe, spin it around, bang. You probably find yourself in water or blue. Or if you find yourself in red, you're probably still in the COVID-19 uh, quarantine, which is where we are. So find yourself Texas. Southeast corner of Texas is Houston. Southwest side of Houston is Sugarland. And we are still in the lockdown for COVID-19. So we're in various places uh, around Sugarland, Texas. This is we're not pastors, we're just regular guys. But what we do is we take a ABF adult. Bible Fellowship or Sunday School lesson. We have a great panel of diverse personalities and we update it. We apply uh, the man spin on it and try to help us each with this faith journey that we have. And we're glad you're here. You might have found us on iHeartRadio. We're on Apple Podcasts. All of our podcasts are archived on SoundCloud. We have a page on Facebook at Man-Up, and you can post questions and comments, and we'll be more than happy to uh, address them on this podcast. And we also have a website, which is at Man-UpSpiritualOasis.com. And we've been doing this. uh, We're coming up. We've completed three years of podcasts. And we're starting our fourth, and we're each on an individual spiritual journey. And the reason why we do this is we recognize that men are leaders, and you're leaders in your families, you're leaders in your neighborhood, in your community, and most likely at your jobs as well. And we believe that each and every one is on an individual faith journey, and especially in this particular climate you're not able and oftentimes don't have people around you to discuss or talk about items like that. That's why this has been one of the fastest growing podcasts in this category. We do something that you can't find anywhere else. And we're glad that you joined us. We take various uh, periodicals or texts that we use to go ahead and get these uh, individual lessons from. We're currently in a Baptist Way Press publication, and it's called Miracles, the Transforming Power of Jesus. This particular lesson is, uh, we're on Lesson 10, From Desperation to Faith. Just to let you know, this is a No Church Answer Tour This is particularly a difficult one for me, and that's why I'm glad we have such a great panel, and I'm going to go ahead and introduce them right now. Uh, 
he is a world-class policy writer. He's also a bit of a professional gambler. Mr. Steve Titch is one of our panelists. We have an attorney. You can't do anything in this litigious society without having an attorney around. But he's also a prosecutor, so he can defend you or he can throw the book at you. And that's Mr. Michael Cropper. He's here. Yes. And we have a world-class trainer for our Fortune, not 500, because those are wussy companies, a Fortune 100 company. We call him the professor. Robert Koshu is here with us. And my name is Bill Cox, and I am the director of Man Up. I am basically work as a contractor, but I have been an actor, a writer, and basically a pursuer of truth and wanderer of, in, of faith my whole life. And that's why I enjoy this discussion that we have here weekly and hope you do too. want to go ahead and uh, get the fellas to give a brief overview of this week's lesson. I'm going to start with uh, Mr. Steve Titch. Well, I'm going to be really short because what I want to talk about will make sense after we read the text. But this is, this is a really difficult uh, section of the Gospel of Matthew because it actually sounds like Jesus is reluctant to heal someone and almost has to be persuaded into it or begged into it. And he says some rather remarkable things that appear out of character. Now, and the, the temptation is among, the, among a lot of you know, Bible studies is to give some church answers to this. Oh, he didn't mean what he said. Oh, whatever. I, I think there's more to it than that. I'm going to give the author of this lesson some credit for taking the, the bull by the horns here on this, because this is a difficult study. You rarely hear this uh, preached on as much as you do other miracles and other healings. Um, so, but, but I've got some ideas on it that I'll share once we get uh, through, the, through the reading. Oh, hey, nice teaser, Steve. Uh, we'll go ahead and uh, get a, a, a brief overview from uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, uh, I agree with Steve. This is a very unusual lesson. Uh, there's actually several points that we may address in it. Um, I, I think one of the key things here is, is Jesus is, is emphasizing faith. And, of course, folks, if you don't know which lesson we're talking about, we're talking about uh, a lady who, who comes to Jesus who is a Gentile and asks for healing for daughter. Bill will read that text in a short time. Just prior to that, let me remind you of where we are real quick, folks. Um, two lessons back, we are on lesson eight, where Jesus feeds the 5,000 people. And I'm going I'm to tie this into what we're doing today. That's why I'm going back on the histories here. He feeds 5,000 people. He leaves to a deserted place to mourn the death of his, his uh, cousin, John the Baptist. Many people figure out where he's going and they find him and they meet him there. And Matthew tells us that he heals all their sick. Uh, the Gospel of Mark tells us that not only does he heal their sick, he also uh, teaches them. Well, it becomes very late. He spends a lot of time with me. He had compassion on him. Even though he was tired himself, he was sad. He, really had, he had compassion on them and uh, taught them and healed their sick. Comes late and the people get hungry and Jesus tells the disciples to feed them. Now, remember that disciples up to this point have seen many miracles, many, many miracles by Jesus. And you would think they would have enough faith in, in him to not question what he's doing. And they come to him and tell him, these people are hungry, send them away. And Jesus gives the disciples, 
I think, the opportunity to use their faith. And he looks at the disciples, he says, go feed them. We're not sending them away, go feed them. The disciples, and the disciples blow it. They do not get it. They say, we have only a few, few bread and a few fish. So Jesus then has to turn around and use his faith and feed the 5,000 people. Now, the next lesson is about uh, Jesus walking in the water. After they leave this location where Jesus and the disciples, the disciples do feed the 5,000, but Jesus has to perform the miracle of giving them the bread and the fish. After they, after they finish, uh, Jesus sends the disciples across the Sea of Galilee again. It's, it becomes late at night, and uh, the, the winds are contrary to them. They're taking a long time to get, to get across the water, and this is early in the morning. So he walks on the water and comes to where they are. He knows what they're doing. In fact, I mentioned last week, it's possible he even created the storm so he could teach them a lesson. But he walks to where they are, and, and, and they scream and cry out because they think it's a ghost. And he says, it's me. It's, it's Jesus. And Peter says to him, he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come to, the, come to you on the water. So Jesus says, okay, come. Well, Peter does. The only one of the 12 disciples that does it. He walks on the water, but then he loses his sight or he loses his faith. Really not sure there what he does, but we know he turns his focus off Jesus. He looks down at the water. He looks at the situation he's in, and he starts sinking. And he cries out to Jesus and said, Lord, save me. So Jesus, again, has to use his faith after he's given the opportunity to the disciples to use their faith. And he may have even been giving them the opportunity to use their faith to calm the storm, and they just don't recognize it. So then we come to today's lesson 10. But just before we start that, before we enter it, Jesus, after they walk on the water and before today's lesson, Jesus, they, they land on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the crowds come to him again, and Jesus has some very sharp words with the Pharisees. Uh, who want to address this situation, and they want to know why Jesus' disciples do not wash their hands before they eat. Well, Jesus irritates the Pharisees in his usual ways by pointing out errors that they do when they serve the Lord in their worship. Now, that brings us to today's lesson, and in fact, the first line of the text um, where Jesus went away from there. Okay, Bill? Excellent. And Professor, your overview of this lesson. So Steve kind of alluded to it, and we will talk in depth, but I think it all comes down to, is it timing or is it Jesus making a point? And I'm going to leave it at that. All right, very good. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and I'll read the text. This is Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Jesus went away from there and withdrew, withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her with a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was, only, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, 
it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. It almost, to me, appears as if Jesus, or certainly the disciples, were aggravated by this woman. And oftentimes in life, I think we see people who aren't necessarily committed to something until they have no other choice or or they see the opportunity to take that choice. And the disciples weren't necessarily convinced that she was a person of faith. And that's why they just wanted to send her away and, and keep on going. And, and I get, I don't want to say Jesus was necessarily snarky with the comment, but it's a little bit different than what you, uh, you, you would typically expect. And uh, I'll go ahead and I'll uh, turn this over to Steve Titch. I think what we have here is Jesus again at his most ironic. And, and that's where I want to start because in other areas of scripture, we see Jesus uh, say things in complete irony, uh, say things uh, that are hyperbolic, where the famous, most notable one is don't, uh, how, don't try to remove a, a speck from your neighbor's eye when you have a plank in your own. It's 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 it's, it's tended to be humorous. Here is the key thing, and I'm glad Mike set this up because he talked a little about what was going on. Where this appears in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, it does appear after the 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 um, walking on water, which we did last week. And yes, there is this bit of this, this interaction with the Pharisees, where he actually says it's not what you put in your mouth that is sinful it's what comes out of your mouth from your heart that is and he puts the pharisees in their place but in in between there are all these parables about uh we get the parable of the mustard seed uh we get a lot of judgment parables uh so then the the the, the opening the opening verse this is where i think we have to start the opening verse is that uh they went to the district of tyre and sidon now, in, in, in ancient, you know, in the ancient Middle East, it's still, Tyre and Sidon today are, would be beyond the northern boundaries, beyond the northern frontier of Galilee and, and, and up along the coast. It was where Phoenicia was, or it still is. In, in, I think it's Mark's gospel identifies the woman as Syrio-Phoenician. Um, so they're, they're not in... They're not in classic, you know, long-time established Israelite land. They're not in Judea anymore. They're not even in Samaria. They're well, they're well to, the, no, they're to the north. And so they encounter, of course, a Canaanite woman who, who's local. I mean, they, she's a local person. She, they, now remember, they have gone there. And 
there's this interaction, and, and down when we come to verse 14, uh, I'm sorry, verse 24, uh, his answer to the apostles to say, send her away, is a rather dismissive, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, which makes it sound like Jesus is the Messiah for the Israeli or the Israelite people, the Jews. But let's beg the question. You almost want to be a snarky apostle and say to Jesus, then why are we inside an entire? Because there are no Jews here. And so that's where I think the irony begins. It is like, it is like being from College Station and going up to Austin and saying, I'm only here to talk to Aggie fans. Well, you're not going to find many. So why is Jesus there? And then comes the, then, then comes the, this, this woman, and he does, seem, he does seem to really insult her. Um, he says, it's not good to take children's bread and throw it to the dogs. He compares her to a dog, uh, which, you know, it, it seems insulting. Uh, you know, why would, would you, Jesus is supposed to be, you know, everybody comes to him. We all, he's, he's the embracing Lord. He loves us. We bring, our, we bring ourselves humbly before the Lord, and he will in, embrace us. She brings herself humbly, and she gets, she gets a verbal smack. And it sounds very un-Jesus-like. But if we look at the previous parables, the banquet parable, that, that, well, that, that's in Luke, but the parable of the, you know, the, the mustard seed, he is now showing the apostles where mustard seeds are falling on fertile ground. And to, you might say, to the disciples, she's a dog, or she... And, and she outright, she outright, it's a, we can talk about this as another part of it. Um, she's humble, but she's assertive. Kind of two things that are difficult to be at, um, at, the, at the same time. And ultimately, he says, your faith is great. But going back to my point here, and again, we're not pastors. I, I think he's being deliberately ironic. I think he's doing this to uh, get inside the heads of his disciples. Uh, I think he does have every intention, obviously, of curing the woman's daughter. But looking at, at where this is coming from, and, and I'll conclude with this, because uh, this is another thought for think. Matthew's gospel is aimed at the Jews, Jewish people in, in Judea, in the, in the middle, in, in where Roman Judea is now. It's, it's actually, if we look through the New, the, the New Testament, it's one of the few biblical, you know, books in the New Testament that is aimed at the, the Jews in Israel. Uh, James, I think um, James's letter is, uh, I believe, um, and it's written much earlier than that. Matthew's gospel is written in AD 70 or so. It is believed before the, before the fall of the temple. Um, by then, already Paul has established churches throughout what's now Turkey and Corinth, uh, you know, Ephesus, um, all those, the, the church is growing outside of, of what, is, what was, you know, outside of Israel and Palestine. It's, it's the Gentiles are embracing it. And is Matthew here, when we combine this story with the parables of the seeds falling, and we look again back what I, in, in Luke, which 
you know, it's hard to line up the Gospels, but the, the Luke's parable of the banquet comes shortly after the, uh, the, the, one of the feedings and, and, and one of the walks on water, where he, they're basically the, the people that the man, the banquet host invites, do not come. They give excuses. So he tells his servants to go out onto, you know, the towns, the highways, and call in the beggars and the rejected, and we'll have a feast. And he says, the invited, won't, you know, those who are invited won't come and kind of woe to them. It's in, uh, I'll get the reference in a minute, it's Gospel of Luke. So there's where I'm, I'm putting this out here, that there's a, that basically the message is going out here that um, Jesus is being embraced as the Messiah by the Gentiles. And he's come for everyone. And the lost sheep, the lost sheep may not be, you know, who the Jews think they are. It, it's, you know, it's the lost sheep we think are the, are the Jewish people, the people of Israel. Um, but here he is looking for lost sheep north of, north, of the, north of the typical country. There it goes. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper, your basic overview of this lesson. Wow, it's a it's quite a different lesson, uh, Bill. Uh, thinking about what Steve just said, the um, the woman herself is is first of all she's a woman. That's not real good at this time for Jewish teachers, and the disciples seem a little bit miffed about it. But she is a a woman from a pagan area or pagan country, Tyre and Sidon. I don't know that we ever make it really to Tyre and Sidon, but it says that Jesus turned his face toward that area when she ran into him or when he, or he ran into her, whatever it was, and they were walking. I do think that some of the Jewish uh, teachers were going with him because they were always trying to find some way to criticize him and to tell him that he was wrong and he was not of God. So when he, when, uh, when she first addresses him, she yells, have mercy on me, Lord. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Of course, he did not answer. Now, we don't know how long, and I think, Bill, you mentioned this, maybe Robert. She keeps shouting for attention. She keeps shouting for attention until the disciples or someone, anyone would listen to her to help her get Jesus' attention. I think that's very important. So when the disciples get disturbed enough, or get bothered enough, they come and implore Jesus, send her away. Because she keeps shouting at everybody. She's shouting at us. She's shouting at them. Well, that's what Jesus was waiting for. He's waiting for the disciples to address him and, uh, and, and approach him. He wants their attention. Then Jesus answers her and says, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel, right? This causes the woman to stop. Wherever she's standing, wherever she's shouting, she's not in front, of him, in front of him at this moment. She's shouting, making commotion. She hears him say that. She got his attention, or he's giving it to her finally, even though it's negative. And, and you got to realize Jesus, I think, knows exactly what she's going to answer. He set this situation up, knowing in her head that she's very feisty, she's very sharp, and she will answer with a word that confounds the uh, confounds his criticism of her. Then she came and bowed down and said, Lord, help me. And Jesus answered. Again, it's not good. Y'all said this a couple of times. It's not good to take the children's bread 
And she said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from the table. And he says, woman, your faith is great. What do you wish will be done? This is a very big insult to any Jewish rabbis, any synagogue priests, anybody, and the disciples telling them that this woman, who's not only a woman, but also a woman of the lowest degree, a Gentile from Tyre and Sidon, who's not supposed to know anything about prophets out of the Jewish faith, not supposed to know anything about a possible Messiah coming someday, or a teacher, has just been told she has about the greatest faith that Jesus has ever seen. So I think it's, uh, I, I think the, the, the text itself is just a great setup, Bill. Excellent. Uh, Professor, your take on this lesson. Yeah, so I, I, when I start out, I said, this is all a question of, is this about timing? Or is this about a teaching moment? And maybe both. So Mike kind of alluded to this is after the feeding of 5,000. This is after um, several miracles that has gone on. Jesus had wanted to get the disciples away in addition to the situation with John, his cousin. He also wanted to get the disciples away from the crowds to get some private teaching done. There, there are a lot of times I love Jesus's interactions with the disciples because sometimes I feel like there's a lot of he does something he makes a statement and he looks over at the disciples and then he goes come here and then he gives them another explanation for it we see it multiple times in scripture and I kind of love it because you kind of feel like he's looking at them going guys don't you get it this is one of those times though I think he wanted to have some very isolated teaching times with them so he pulls them aside in this area, as Steve alluded to, Tyre and Sidon. It is basically on the coast of Lebanon, south of Beirut. Sidon is the first town, and then Tyre would be the second one if you kind of wanted both towns to exist today. And it's probably about 75 or 100 miles northwest of Capernaum, which is the Sea of Galilee area where they always hung out at. So he's taking them over there, you know, several days walking and wanted some private teaching with them. That's my, so that's why my first statement is, is this a matter of timing when Jesus responds back to the woman? Not right now. I'm busy. I got other things on my mind. Second question that comes out is, as Steve kind of talked to, is this a moment for the disciples to see more irony in this entire story? So, the Gospel of Matthew, as Steve talked about, is written to Jews. There are only two people in the Gospel of Matthew that it is said they have great faith. This woman is the other. The centurion is the other. So then you start looking at the mustard seed and seed falling on fallow grounds and the lost sheep of Israel in that context in addition to and you see lots of other things as you look at it, because now you're seeing not only is Jesus making points to them with this, but the writer himself, Matthew, is making a point to, this was written to a Jewish audience, but the Jewish people aren't really seeing Jesus for who he is, but two Gentiles did as part of that. So that's kind of my initial overtake. So we'll have some 
interesting long-term talk about this, I'm sure. Excellent. And with that, we're going to go ahead and take our hard break. Uh, this is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men, podcast number 152. We will be. You are listening to the Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men podcast. Originating out of Sugarland, Houston, Texas, USA, it's the faith-based man podcast that women enjoy too. Called authentic, timely, and unexpectedly funny, Man Up has been encouraging and entertaining audiences since 2016 and continues to be one of the fastest growing shows in its segment. Want to book a speaker, show, or post a comment? Go to Man Up on Facebook or our website, www.man-upspiritualoasis.com. And now, back to the No Church Answers Tour and the Fellows of Man Up. And welcome back, everybody. This is Man Up, Spiritual Oasis for Men. We're not pastors. We're just regular guys. But each of us are on this individual faith-based journey, and... We're so glad that uh, you decided to tune in or download and uh, come along. Uh, this is the kind of discussions that you can't have in anywhere else, uh, particularly not in this climate. And we have different personalities and people that have different takes on these adult Bible fellowship or Sunday school lessons. And, uh, and they share it uh, on this podcast. So you'll, you may identify with one or the other uh, much more than that and like i said earlier this was a little bit different difficult for me but after listening to uh, each of the fellows in the first half i kind of i just kind of imagined jesus walking with his disciples and like uh, professor said having a teachable moment and then uh having no question about it he was he was rock star so always attracting a crowd, but how many times when you have crowds that are, they're, they're curiosity seekers. They're not, they're not people that are going to be around uh, for a while. And they just, want, they just want to take a look, see what all the commotion is about, and then they leave. This lady was not going to stop until she was heard she was different from the other people and and it's almost as if you know when you think back how committed you were to maybe your profession or maybe to your education or maybe a sport or a musical instrument that you were trying to learn something that you wanted so badly that it did not matter if someone insulted you about it you were committed you were committed to that and you would go that extra mile you had faith you absolutely believed and i think that that's what this lady did and i think part of the teachable moment for the disciples was when jesus hurled this unexpected insult is what I would characterize it as uh, towards her. And yet it did not shake her. It did not, it, it, it did not get her off of her mission. She knew what she wanted. She wanted her daughter cured and she had the faith and Jesus 
noted that in front of the disciples. And, and with that, we're going to go ahead and, and unpeel this uh, uh, and go a little bit deeper and start with Ms. Okay, sorry, I was on mute there. Thank you. Knock that five seconds out and edit. Um, so I, I don't think we gave, we gave the scripture reference. In, um, is, we're in Matthew 15, chapter 15, verses 21 through 28. Now, in, there's this interesting dialogue, this, this, this exchange where we, we were talking about, Bill, uh, tw verse 26 and 27. Jesus, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And verse 27, yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. This, this almost should, sounds like it should be reversed in a Pharisee discussion. You'd think the Pharisees would come in and say something like, it is not right you know, for the children's bread to be tossed to the dogs. And Jesus himself saying, uh, even the dogs eat the crumbs. Kind of the way we looked at uh, when when they when the Pharisees criticized the uh, the, the disciples for picking wheat on the on the Sabbath or from uh, he said well you know who wouldn't who among you wouldn't go uh, rescue a sheep from a pit on the Sabbath? Uh, Good so, point. So that's awesome. This seems this almost seems like well gee that sounds like Jesus sounds like something a Pharisee would say and I think as I said I think he's I think he's Speaking what some of the disciples are thinking, and it's it, what what you know, and it's what it's written. What is written? Uh, perhaps you know you could rewrite the question, rewrite it as a as a question. Uh, should I take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs? Is that what you're asking? I, I but I think he's I think he's saying what the you know he's given voice. To what the disciples are thinking oh you know send this woman away you know she's pestering us she's not even you know she's not even one of us and and how often do we do that how often do we the first thing we size up is well he or she is not one of us and maybe you know maybe you know that's you know, you'll you'll gladly write a check to help your church people indeed. Oh, because they're all down at the church and I know, I know that guy and you know, I wanna make sure, you know, or I know them all. Uh, but when it comes to somebody else, up, oh, yeah, not one of us. I think that is basic human nature right there. And, uh, you know, and part of this is, is what she, she, she really, she talked, she, she doesn't really argue with him. She doesn't get mad at him. She almost says, okay, call me a dog if you want to, but even they get scraps, which is, which is a remarkable bit of humility because the first reaction, you know, you want, I mean, you want, she, you, when you want something from somebody, even if they insult you, you might just up, you know, this is the, you know, the, the, what we has been as well, forget this. I'm just going to walk away. I'll starve. He's, if he's going to have that attitude, I'll just starve. Or I'll, 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 they'll choose not to get what they want. As you said, she wants, she wants this very strongly, but she doesn't really abase herself. That is, that's, you know, she doesn't, she does not, she, she does not say, you know, she says, yeah, if, well, you know, even dogs get treated well. 
Um, even dogs get the crumbs. And, and she's almost, this is the remarkable thing, she, she's settling for crumbs because, you know, a crumb of grace is still huge by God's standards. You know, she'll just take a little bit of grace. I'm, you know, edibly sufficient. Please heal my daughter. Uh, it's, uh, that's why I said earlier, and, and the author does talk about this, it's humble but assertive. She's not going away. She does not get angry. She does not, she does not give him tit for tat. You know, she, she does not walk away in a huff. She does not get angry herself. She says, okay, but, you know, consider this. If you're going to call me a dog, well, dogs get crumbs. Just that's all I want. Um, and so there we are. And I, mean, I, think, I think going back to it, the, the apostles all listen to this. They all hear this. They, this has got to be making an impression on them. And then, you know, as he said, he, as, as we, he, he caps it off by saying, yeah, this is the greatest piece of faith I've ever seen. After, after just previously talking to the apostles on the water, saying, oh, ye of little faith, um, later on in the, next, in, the in the next upcoming episodes, he will again upgrade the apostles for having little faith. There's a lot of, lot of instances where he scolds the apostles for little faith. And as I said, only two. One, the, two the two instances of great faith are reserved for this woman, the Canaanite woman, and the centurion. Two you know, two, two, two not, you know, two people who are not Jews, who are not of the chosen people, so to speak. Excellent. Uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, I'm, I'm deviating from this just a little bit. I like Steve's summary of it. Uh, I, I think what I find interesting about the passage is that, that Jesus' healing power, I think we've discussed this before, can be tapped, and it can be tapped by the person, other person, and it's tapped by their faith. There is a third example where that comes to my mind where Jesus' healing power is actually tapped. And, and, and it can be a creation power of God. It can be creation power from Genesis. Whatever you want to want to call it, it can be uh, it can be tapped by the individual. And that's the woman who had the issue of blood. She came up behind Jesus and she tapped into the power of the creation power, whatever you think causes healing and whatever changes our lives to make us believe in God and, and trust in him as well as get healed by him. She touched, she touched his garment and she got that same power that this lady did. And, and the, the second thing I find interesting about the story that Steve was talking about, she says, uh, I just want his crumbs to be healed. Her daughter wasn't there. Her daughter was at home, wherever in bed, uh, tied up or chained up to a tree, who knows? She said she's being cruelly, cruelly demon-possessed. And and Jesus looked at her after she said, I'll take the crumbs. He looked at her and says, he says, be it as your faith is, or be it the way you wish. And that wish is whatever her faith is, can handle, it will be done for. So he didn't, he didn't, as in many other miracles we've seen Jesus with, where he lays his hand on the leper. Jairus did not have the faith to have it done from a distance either, such as these two. You mentioned the, the centurion and his servant. Jairus said, Jesus, will you come to my house and heal my daughter? She's ill. Um, many others, he touched the leper. He was healed, the blind. But once again, this lady 
He said, as you wish, so be it. He never said, demon, come out of her daughter. He did not have to direct many of the miracles with his voice and, like I said, touch. He merely says, be it as your faith or as you wish it to be. And she went home and her daughter was healed. And I think that's very fascinating because his power is available to those who have faith. And he does not need to even know what's going on, although he does know what's going on, as in the woman who touched his garment. Uh, he knew that power was coming out of him, and he turned and confronted her. Uh, but the, the resurrection power, whatever you think is healing from Jesus all these times, and, and, and the power can be distributed in bread, as in breaking for 4,000 and 5,000 different people. Uh, his, his power has the ability to multiply as well as heal. And, and, and we've also made comments about this, Bill, and on all of us, Robert, myself, and, and Steve, you know, the miracles which, which to us change the person's physique at this present time, that person will eventually die. But Jesus is bringing the kingdom of God to the people for a temporary moment so that the kingdom of God might be preached to them and brought to them in reality, they might see it. Um, anyway, uh, Bill, that's it for a moment. Excellent. Uh, Professor, you're basically yeah, just, view of this. Well, I want to kind of revisit a little bit what you said about, because she, she sat there yelling at the disciples for an extended period of time to try to get their attention. And then when basically he tried to shoo her away with the dog comment, she retorted back with something. She, she basically, I want to say, almost got in his face again and threw something back at him that, hey, even the dogs get scraps. And, and by the way, the Greek in, in that language there isn't dog like mangy dog. Think cute little puppy. It's kind of what the Greek alluded to when you read dog there. So probably not the best translation. But how many times are we the same way that in our faith walk, in our work that we had, in everything we do, that the first sign of any little hiccup, any little trouble, we tend to back off and do something. Instead of knowing when we're right, knowing when we have something, sticking to our guns and moving forward with it. And I think that's kind of a lesson we can take from this. That's kind of a, kind of a, no, um, an odd answer as you, as, as it were something that we can look at it and say, Hey, there's a faith component here of being there because she gets rewarded with the words. You have great faith. And as Mike alluded to her daughter's healed and her daughter's not even there. You know, this is akin to the centurion. No, you don't need to come. Just speak the word, and I believe he'll be healed. Very, very much so when you look at it. So I think that's something to kind of allude to and look at as we're thinking about is, is having that stick to itiveness in our. Uh, excellent. You know, um, when I was looking through this, uh, this text, I don't remember ever. Uh, studying this as a miracle or or even thinking about this story and uh, as an actor i've 
I've been a writer and uh, done movies and stuff. And I remember when I was doing some stand-up comedy, and that's kind of what it reminds me of Jesus being heckled uh, on stage and finally acknowledging the heckler, and but the heckler actually having a quality response back, which oftentimes you don't see. And so when I think about these kind of stories, I think, where would I fall in this particular story? And more often than not, I'm usually the person who is just watching. But in this particular one, I think I'm one of the disciples actually learning that Jesus is not a pushover. He's not always going to be the person that is the uh, the Santa Claus. There's you have to prove your faith, and this lady to him at this moment, however unorthodox, proved herself to him and proved her faith in an unconventional way, and and it kind of opened up my eyes. And so as I go around the room and get the final takeaway from the, from the rest of the panel, that's what I take away from the story. Sometimes it's not the conventional that will move you and that will show the faith. Sometimes you will be taken aback by somebody or something that you didn't expect to happen. And I think all of us have had our eyes opened because of this quarantine that we've been in for now uh, seven, eight weeks that we're only starting uh, I mean, to we come can't. out of. <laughs> yeah, that we're, all, that we're only now starting to come out of and that we're going to see the new normal and we're not even actually sure what it's going to look like. And so I think one thing that is timely, uh, absolutely, about this particular lesson is watch out for the unconventional. Be aware. You, you, you never know where that example of faith is going to come from. And that's kind of my takeaway from this lesson. I'd like to get the, the final takeaways from the rest of the fellows. Uh, start with Steve Titch. It's a nice, uh, nice way of looking at it. Uh, it is, Jesus does respond to you. And sometimes it, it seems, uh, you know, that it's hard, tough to get an audience. Um, but I think he always knew the woman was there. I think he always planned to act. I, I, I like what you said about this isn't a cursory faith. You, it, you, do, it does, you do have to take it seriously. Um, you do have to really, truly make a, a faith commitment. But what we see here is that, again, and, and this is something we see throughout the New Testament, Jesus is there for everyone, for the world. For, he, he is, you know, it, it, his comment, the fact that he, they're in 
Sidon and Tyre. They're in a part of the country where there are no Jews. And he says, uh, we're, I, I'm, I'm here uh, to, um, to, to, to I, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. It makes you wonder, well, who exactly are the lost sheep of Israel? Are they everybody? Are, you know, uh, is it beyond the, the geographic and ethnic uh, and religious, uh, the generations that have, that have settled there uh, in, in, in Roman Palestine and Roman Judea? Uh, is, 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 are we all the lost children of of Israel, and and, it, and, it, and I mean, it comes back. It, you have to give it that, that that he's saying this somewhere that isn't Israel. You have to you have to at least consider something like that. And yeah, I, I think it. I think you're right on on the market. It's it's it, it's faith. You can't just. It isn't. It isn't something that's you know cursory. Uh, and maybe if you're if you're a, you in my other quote. If you're playing too much at it, it's just a game for you. You're not going to get the Lord's attention. If you're really ready to humble yourself, uh, again, not necessarily humble yourself and not, not necessarily debase yourself, but certainly come to the Lord with humility and the need for that, uh, that the need for that salvation, for that bridge that Jesus provides to, to the Lord through the, through the forgiveness of sins, you're, you're, you've got his attention, um, and and you're saved. Uh, so, and, and that goes for whether you are uh, are a, a an ethnic Jew, or if you're a Canaanite, or if you're an American. Excellent uh, takeaways uh, from this lesson from you, uh, Michael Cropper. Yeah, I uh, am. I am on. I have this little red microphone that says I'm off. Am I off? Am I on, guys? We can hear you. Okay, good, good. Okay. Uh, yeah, the lesson is not about casting out the demon. Um, Jesus healed many, many, many people, possibly hundreds of people. He cast out many, many, many demons. So that's probably the peripheral of the whole lesson. The lesson is about I think attitude and faith, it's about the woman exercising her faith. And the woman confronts Jesus on, and, and yells and screams, as we've said several times now, and until, he gets her, until she gets his attention. And the only way she can get his attention is by his disciples approaching him, because he's not going to listen to her. So there may be an attitude problem there that, that has to change. And when he does recognize her, she begins to worship him. She falls down and worships him and recognizes him for who he is. And then she says, Jesus, help me. Um, I think that puts everything in perspective. Whenever she does that, and I think, Robert, you mentioned that, the worshiping uh, changes everything. And, and then Jesus said, okay, be it as you wish as you have wished, and it and it was so. Her daughter was healed from that time on. And then he made a point to everybody of complimenting on how great her faith was. And and again, if if there were any Jewish rabbis there or synagogue priests or whatever, 
who usually followed him that would insult them. And he was actually insulted his, his disciples, but I think they were used to that by now. They were used to being told they didn't have much faith. But uh, I, I, and honestly, I think Jesus' healing power can be released by Jesus himself at his choice or by the amount of faith or the person requesting the miracle, depending on how much faith they have. I think those are some very interesting things I've learned from listening to you guys. Okay, Bill. Excellent. And uh, your takeaways uh, from this lesson, Professor? I think it was interesting. Steve said it's working your faith. And here we call that exercising your faith muscle. And that's something you have to do every day. You have to be doing the things we're called to do, showing mercy, showing grace. Um, everyone notice I, I did not put prayer in there first. You know, showing mercy, showing grace, praying, studying your scripture, meditating on scripture, um, fellowshipping when we can, when we're all back together again. I'm looking forward to taking the first picture of us back as a group from our quarantine time when we're all back. Uh, that'll but, be awesome. <laughs> but you have to exercise that faith daily. And I think when you do, then you can have that great faith that this woman had. And I think doing that helps you exercise that faith properly. If you work it out, you know, it, it's a discipline. And you do a lot of, we do sports analogies a lot because, hey, we're guys. But, you know, the best NBA player, the big thing right now going on is the Michael Jordan, the last dance. Uh, documentary that's going on on ESPN about his final season when he came back there with Chicago. And Michael Jordan, as good as he was, was also known for being in the gym till like nine o'clock at night at practicing his free throws of all things because he felt like he had off. We're called to have that same kind of discipline in our faith and having it, letting us engage that is incredibly important for us to do. And I think that, to me, that's one of the big takeaways, is having that. Excellent. And we're so glad that you joined us uh, for this podcast, podcast number 152. The final takeaway that, uh, that uh, I have from this lesson uh, about the lady, and I, I think it was Steve that uh, what, what said it, uh, humbly persistent. And I think that's the way we, we have to live. We have to live our faith being humble, but being persistent as well. And I know that being with this COVID-19, being quarantined, it has been difficult because our, uh, our schedules and our lives have been turned upside down. But now as we're starting, to, the doors are starting to crack open. We're starting to get back out. It's up to us to go ahead and reestablish ourselves, reestablish our faith, reestablish our faith leadership and our character in our community, in churches, in our families, to go ahead and to carry on into this new world that we're stepping off into that has changed dramatically from what it was two months ago. And Persistently humble, I think is a great phrase from this week that, that we can use uh, as we move forward. 
<clears throat> My name is Bill Cox. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. We are also uh, have all of our podcasts archive on SoundCloud. We're on Facebook at Man-Up, and we have a website, which is at Man-UpSpiritualOasis.com. want to in- encourage each and every one of you to go ahead and tune in to some televangelists and some uh, tune into Sugarland Baptist Church online for a Sunday worship service. <clears throat> and when churches do start opening up, we want to encourage you to go to a local Bible-based church. Why local? So you'll go and go and participate and find a small group so you can go ahead and get involved and have discussions, deep discussions like we have here weekly and find one that's for men and if there is one start one this is man up you've been listening to man up you want answers. i want the truth you can't handle the truth dedicated to the uncommon man created by equally uncommon men if i were the man i was five years ago i'd take a flame through into this place you can contact us on facebook under man dash up post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.